Union Jack, the home of great British comedy. Fiddle your knob and find Union Jack on DAB Radio, online, on the app, and on that Alexa woman. Throws the glitter up into the air. Uh, you know, as a, as a romantic was Richard gesture. Curtis lovely? Yes. Yeah, I'd hope he would be. I've done him a few times. Have you? He's, yeah, he's he's. he's very... Next time you're with him, mm. just suggest that he writes a lesbian British rom-com it's about and time. casts me in it. It should be not about time. He's already done that film. That's about <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about the magic granddad watch. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I just pushing, right. just pushing mine and I all gay women's should, agenda. You should write it, Sue. Oh, do you know I've got quite a lot on. <laughs> on digital radio across the UK, on the Union Jack app, and on that Alexa. This is Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory. This is a local shop for local people. Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack Radio. Hello, good morning, evening, afternoon, delete as applicable, uh, depending on where you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to Hometown Glory, a show where famous faces take me on a budget trip to the streets where they grew up. Budget, because we use Google Maps rather than actually go there. Now, so far this series, we've seen Ian Lee, Paul Young and Ed Gamble wander down memory lane. And today it is fantastic comedian and podcaster Susie Ruffle. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. Susie Ruffle, hello. Hello, Jeff so, Lloyd. Where, where were you born then? Uh, I was born in Portsmouth. In Portsmouth? Because I think of you as an, an East Ender, but that, is that a recent thing then? East Ender, yeah, I think I've been in London for, oh, God, nearly 15 years. Uh-huh. I moved up when I was 18, and um, I... I, I've sort of become a Londoner because I think I did all my growing up here. Right. So London really feels like home. I know London really but well. But your real hometown is Portsmouth. I'm a Pompey girl. It's and a, I do love it. So I, I once uh, received an email from a listener about football. Sure. Now, full disclosure, I don't know anything about football. Full disclosure, neither do I. So let's let's really run with this conversation. But I did pronounce it as Pompeii because I didn't know any better. That is stupid. <laughs> that's not to do with football. That's imba- that's just embarrassing. How, how, how would I was how, how am I as a non Portsmouth a non a non Pompa Pompo Pompadour? I might have to leave this interview okay, now okay, before you okay. embarrass yourself anymore. So so is Portsmouth a bit grim? Look, there's parts of Portsmouth that are a bit rough around the edges. There's mm. parts of Portsmouth that feel a bit sad and a little bit desperate. Um, there are yeah, there are parts of Portsmouth that are a bit sort of lost. But there are parts of Portsmouth that are wonderful and beautiful, and the seaside is amazing. And I had a very lovely, lovely childhood the growing up. Whilst it's not by the beach, you know, it's not a beach in the Maldives, and it's not, you know, it's a pebbly, cold beach with, um, you know, a pier jutting out, and some of it looks a bit sort of barbaric and not very sort of. You know, the architecture's not necessarily amazing. And well, the, is it somewhere I would go to find sailors on shore leave fighting with local people on a Saturday night? Yeah, I didn't realise you were still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is like, when I think of Portsmouth, Plymouth, I think like that, that is how I'm thinking of these towns. Yeah, I think and, that happens, and I think you're going to disavow me of this notion. I think that happens a lot less than people imagine it does. Right. But I certainly think there was a time when that happened. I think like... I think, I think my dad might have got involved in some of those scrapes with sailors at one right, point or another. Right. But um, there are parts of it that are quite rough, to be completely honest. But 
I think it's really easy. And I think for a long time, I would look back at Portsmouth and go, oh, God, it's horrible. I'm so pleased I don't live there anymore. And now sort of have been away for it from so long. And um, now I can sort of see it with new eyes. You know, if you go there on a summer's day, it is beautiful. Well, let, let, let us wallow in that rose-tinted vision of Portsmouth Let's. over this this conversation. So tiny baby Susie. Yes. Do we, do we know how much you weighed? Yeah, I think I was 6'2". 6'2", that's very very good weight. Thank you. I never Thank really you. understand these things, but I think if it's it's above five and, and below eight, you say, oh, that's a nice weight. Yeah, I, and, and, I, and, I'd like, and I hope that you still think that I'm quite a nice weight. I do, yes. <laughs> um, and, and where are you taking home to? Uh, I was taken home to, I think, a place called Hazelmere Road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived there. I think this was where my mum and dad lived in a flat above a woman's house and um, in order for my mum to put her washing out she had to walk through a woman's bedroom what I know it's mad isn't it so I'm, 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 it, so, so they were in sort of a masonette situation yeah they're upstairs the woman's downstairs yeah and mum would want to hang out her washing mum's very house proud very, as am I very house proud people and um, if mum wanted to wash her, hang her washing out, she'd have to walk through this lady's bedroom. And sometimes she'd still be in bed at 10 and mum would say, well, I've got two kids. <laughs> I've got things to do. I'm going to have to put the washing out. So she'd just have to knock on and say, do you mind if I pop in? She'd, yeah, walk through. Don't worry about it. Wow. And what age did you live there till then? I think I lived there until I was, I think I then went to a farm. Because my dad Hang on, works. they sent you away to live on a farm like a naughty dog. No, I was an evacuee. I'm right, much older right. than you think I am. <laughs> no, I was sent to, the whole family went to live just outside of Portsmouth in Westbourne, mm. um, which... Uh, At what age? I think I was about two then. Okay. And and your sibling is a brother or a sister? I've got a brother who's older than me. How By how much? Four years. And what's the relationship with the brother like? Very. B- both now and then? Then, uh, I think he was, uh, when I was brought home from the hospital, my mum said to him, look, you've got a sister. And he said, I don't want a sister, I want a cat. <laughs> and I would say that his feelings around me remained a lot like that for a while. Uh, he would have seen an IB feline. Um and also now, weirdly, I've got a cat. He hasn't got much time for us. So did he really want a cat? That's the question. <laughs> but uh, we argued a lot as kids, played and then argued and threw each other around. But you've got siblings, you know, wrestled yeah, and that sort of thing. Rough housing. Yes. yes. He broke my shoulder. He broke my thumb. Hey, hang on. That breakages, though. I mean, this is, this is this well, Yeah, is but not, from, not, not in a mean way. He would always feel awful. It's because he was quite... You sound in- abused, Susie. No, I wasn't abused. He was quite into WWF. Right. Uh, the Wrestling Foundation, not the Wildlife Organisation. Yes, we didn't pretend to be pandas. Um, and he would do, I think... Um, some Undertaker moves on me, uh-huh. later on some Stone Cold Steve Austin's, where he would like flip me over his back. And I obviously thought it was brilliant. My brother's four years older than me. I, quite, I, I liked playing with him and him giving me any kind of attention. And then sometimes I think because of those four years, he would have been slightly stronger than his sort of eight-year-old sister. And uh, he flipped me over his back once and it sort of just wow. smashed my shoulder. So do you, do you, has this given you either a love or a phobia of WWF? I have no feelings, which is surprising. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> just, just in general. Yeah, yeah I have yeah, no feelings yeah. and um, none about wrestling either. So what did your parents do for a living? My dad, um, it, well, my dad was a coalman. He delivered coal to people's houses um, and then he became, he worked in lorries and became a long distance lorry driver and also would sort of buy and sell lorries. So he was very much sort of present in my childhood in as much as he... Um, 
you know, he made sure that we all had enough of everything and he worked very, very hard to provide for his family. Don't really remember that much of him because I think he was literally always at work because he grew up quite poor. I think he was very keen to not, um, whilst his parents worked really, really hard, there was five of them. And he, um, his parents and his brothers um, they've, and his sisters, they've all worked really, really hard to sort of step out of a very sort of working class world and be people that own property and own their cars and, and things like that. And so my dad was very determined that he would be, you know, sort of a man about town that what, has what, some money and looks What was nice. his rig like? His what, sorry? His rig, his lorry. Oh, it was just like a big lorry. Did you get to go in it a lot as a kid? Yeah, sometimes I would go away with him, which meant we'd have like an overnight stay. To where though, like, to motor, like motorway rem- services? Yeah, I remember going to Aspidale Azouche, which is in Leicester. Derbyshire. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I always find it Leicester. weird that that bit of the country, which for no real reason seemed to have like little French bits in the names. Yeah, really strange, isn't it? Azouche, yeah. Um, I remember going there, and I remember my dad's a bit of a character. I think I get my comedy from him. And uh, we would go into different petrol stations, and he'd say, Right, we're Liverpudlian now. And me and him would do the accent because <laughs> he's really good at accents. But he expected you to be good too. Well, I had to pick them up. And you know what? I'm pretty good at them now. So if anything, that was my... Me and the listeners are are obviously wondering why you haven't yet done an impersonation of six-year-old Susie in the garage. Well, I'd be like, oh, Dad, can I have some more teasers? Like, yeah, go on then, put them in the bag. Come on, we've got a long way to go. (laughs) And so we'd, um, yeah, so so that would be sort of a sense of of play. And we'd sleep in the cab, you know, above, you know, on a big lorry, the bit. If you've if you've not been in one, listener, uh, the you know where the, the lorry driver sits above that, there's usually like a big sort of bracket. It looks like that actually there's a bed inside there. A bunk. Yeah, exactly. Where you can you can climb up and sleep in. And do you feel like when you're going along, I'm going to pick a motorway. I'm going to say the the uh, M42. Oh, I don't go on that. I hate it. <laughs> can I have another <laughs> one? You're along the M6. Yeah, sure. Love it. Classic. Yeah, hit me with it. Yeah. Do you feel like a little bit of a celebrity up there in the cab? Does everybody? You see kids in cars trying to get your dad to pop his air horns. He didn't have air horns. Well, I think uh, some of them might have, but maybe his one didn't. Um, yeah, I think I think I think I thought it was very cool. Yeah, I thought it was very cool. And did you go in the secret bit of motorway services that only lorry drivers are allowed to go into? Yeah, I think it's just bigger petrol pumps. Is I wish it was something right, more right. interesting, but I think it's just bigger petrol pumps, and you can take more petrol. But um, we do all that, and I think now I have a. It's something that me and my dad really connect on, of like where I'm going in the country, because like he's very proud of the stand up. Like he, when I'm on telly and stuff, he finds it really exciting. And it's really, really sweet that he and he'll come to shows and stuff. But oh, a connection that I never thought he and I would really have would I'd be like, A three O three was an absolute dog today. And I go, oh, I know about the A three O three. Ah, what breakdown was it? Yeah, nightmare, nightmare. And so it's this sort of strange place that we connect on. Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack Radio. And what about your mum? Did your mum work? Mum didn't work. She was, because dad worked so much, yeah. she was sort of a stay at home mum. And she'd do things for my dad because my dad would be buying and selling lorries. She'd often like do sort of paperwork and bits like that for him and like go to the bank and organise all the house stuff. And so a lot of the time she was sort of on her own with two kids. So when you go to live on a farm, are you, I mean, are you working, are you toiling the earth? Are you working the No, land? not like that, sort of buying and selling horses. Right. So like horses fit into sort of two classes. And it's either you play polo with them or you very much use them for work, doing like yeah, yeah, other yeah. people's weddings yeah, or yeah, funerals yeah. or taking people out on rides. And my dad is very much in the latter. That was actually my first ever job was working as a groom's 
as a groom for my dad when he did people's weddings. Isn't that interesting? It's something that's either dead posh or it's, yeah. it's, it's really very And that's the not. really interesting thing about my dad is that my dad has managed to... My dad now works with a lot of people that play polo because he sells them lorries or horse boxes. And so my dad's impressively become someone that can sort of exist in lots of different environments and classes because, you know, work has led him to that. How do you feel? Like, do you feel like you can mix with... Do, do you feel more comfortable with people from your own background? Or do you feel like slightly odd around people from your own background? I feel you're... like I fit and don't fit in both. Now, but you and I are sort of similar. You sort of have working class roots and now you work in sort of media yep. bubble. And it is sort of a weird thing of, I don't know if you've ever been stuck in situations where you're like, oh, everyone here is Oxbridge. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't feel like I fit with them. And I f- immediately feel quite inferior where I'm like, God, I hope they don't start speaking in Latin. Do they all speak in Latin? Is that what they do there? Um, and uh, I can do a bit of Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> I know, a little bit of Romany. Do you Does feel the help? need to ham it up at all? I think I have done on stage so, so before. To behave like an oi call most. Well, I think I've done it on stage a bit because I think certainly when you're coming through as a stand-up, you are sort of trying on different hats, which are not lies, but they're different parts of your persona. Yeah. And so I can go into a room where there are people that are, you know, all sort of a bit posh. And I can make that work and I can be a bit posher and I can sort of send myself up a bit in a way that posh people find endearing. Or I can sort of be very comfortable with, you know, all of my cousins that are all scaffolders. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, do sort of, or waitresses and do jobs that, you know, no one's been to uni and there's, and I don't think there's any shame in that. And their dreams are very different to maybe the but dreams. But you find like bits of your own life you don't want to talk about because you think they're in some way pretentious. I'm sort of drifting oh, off subject around yeah. your family. Like. Yeah, I find it like, yeah, I find it, um, yeah, I never want, to, I think something I realised a few years ago is that like, you know, everyone's dreams of what they think of like a great life is are valid. And so if my dream is to be on TV and to be a comic that tours the country and be able to own a house in London, that might, that dream is no more important than my cousin that wants to pay off a DFS sofa. Yeah. You know, and I think it's really easy to be quite snobby about what, different people's sort of aspirations are and so I think because of that there's been times when I've been um when I've been like oh I don't want to brag about you know some posh wedding that I went to or you know hanging out with Elton John I mean I've never hung out with Elton John (laughs) however I've heard he listens to this show so Elton whenever you want to get in touch about me coming to that party that you do every year I'm very available uh even willing to fly to America for the Oscar one just so you know um but I think there's um yeah I think there's a a thing where I don't I don't know whether I I mean I did a show about this a couple of years ago where I was talking about how I feel that I don't fit in to either class and I sort of feel like a bit of a fraud saying I'm working class because I think well no I, I, I can own a flat now well helped by mortgage I can own some of a flat now um, and I have a car and I don't work for anyone which I think uh, traditionally the the idea of being working class is that you have someone that you work for and as a freelance person, I don't really have that. But then at the same time, I don't feel middle class. Because here's, here's, here's the answer. Do you want, the, you want to know the answer? Yeah. To You're working class because that is how you're brought up and that's where you came from. Right. If you have a child, that child will be middle class. Right, okay. And if it's one of those kids that starts going around and going, no, I'm working class really because my mum was working class. Awful. They, you they're know, awful. Yeah, they're, you know, you've, you've failed as a parent. If right, okay, that. take them straight but to the can, children's home. You and... can't change your own class, but you can change yeah, the class. But, you, but I think you can, right. But well, then there you go. Yeah, there we go. I've answered that question for you. Thank you, you so much. I'm You're really welcome. pleased we stayed on topic for the road I grew up on. Yeah. So um, what about your first school then in, in Portsmouth? So then we moved from the farm, um, 
because my mum couldn't bear being so far away from her mum, which it was about 15 miles. And because um, mum needed help and nanny didn't drive. And uh, so we, did, we moved back to sort of in town in Portsmouth. And I lived in a place called the High Street, which is a lovely street that I grew up on. I lived in a place called Shakespeare's Terrace because the area that the house was on was once, there was like five houses there and it was once a theatre. Right. Sure. Any danger of Shakespeare ever having been anywhere near that theatre? Oh, no. No. <laughs> um, absolutely not. And uh, I, I lived on the road that um, Admiral Lord Nelson walk, walked down. Once. When he, once. Not <laughs> while I was there. On his way to get on a boat. When yeah. he was on his way to get on a boat. And, um, the, and Lady Hamilton... Uh, was with him and so there's a pub down there called the Lady Hamilton um, so there's historically it's quite an interesting place and I went to school to answer your question um, to St Jude's Primary School which was around the corner from my house and what do you remember about starting school um, I went I was really excited to go I went and then I came home and I was like yeah I've done that now I'm not going to go back <laughs> so you thought you just had to go there once yeah right. I thought I had to go and see if I liked it and I was like yeah it's fine yeah, but it's not for that. me and, so, and that's so, how I felt about school for the next 15 years <laughs> who was your first teacher um, who was my first teacher? I think her name was Mrs. Hopkins, and she was really nice. And did you uh, did you find it easy to make friends? Yeah, I think I did. I went to I went to school with some people that I had been to like my play group with, my nursery play group with, and so um, I had some friends. But I used to cry a lot about being away from my mum. And mum used to find it really upsetting. Have I ever told you my, my harrowing story on that very subject? No, but please do. So, seven years old, I go and stay away from home for the first ever time. We're taken on a school trip to Delamere Forest. There's a little... Delamere? L- Delamere. Uh, there's a little... Uh, there's a li- which isn't De- Delamere. It's in the middle of uh, Northwich, I think. Lovely. Maybe not the middle. Forests tend not to be in the middle of small northern towns. But on that... <laughs> anyway, um, so so we're staying in like some kind of youth hostel thing. I, Susie, am a bedwetter. Do you know so, what? Me too. Right. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? To yeah. Wake up every morning at six, seven, eight, going, Mom, plastic sheet needs changing. And yeah. So, so, yeah. so my mum has to handle this with the school. Oh. She has to go and say, look, Jeffrey's a bedwetter. They say, don't worry, lots of kids are. We know how to handle this. We turn up at this hostel in the middle of the forest. It's all female teachers. And they announce to everybody that, Everybody, the boys' dormitory's here, the girls' dormitory's here. Jeffrey is going to sleep in with the girls. And I go into a panic. I think, don't say because I'm a bedwetter. Please don't say because I'm a bedwetter. They then say, because he misses his mummy. It's the one thing they could have said that was even worse than saying he's a bedwetter. Oh, no. So I feel your pain when it yeah. comes to missing your mum. Yeah. So I yeah. So I, I was I, I was a bedwetter. I was very much flip the mattress, change the sheets, yeah, yeah. but because of <laughs> urine rather yeah, than yeah. sex, which I think that song's about. So, so I'm told. Um, so uh, I I remember having being allowed to walk around the corner from school, and then I have to stand opposite my house and just go, Mum. Mom! Until she came and crossed me the road because it was a busy, a busy a road that was too busy. Not when I was five. That was when I was like, I don't know, about ten or something. Right, right, right. But they I didn't remember, have lollipop ladies in Portsmouth then. Not on my road. Right. Not on my road. Broken Britain, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, um, so we, uh, I, I'd, I, I'd quite liked school. What were you good at? I was in gardening club. Were you really? Yep. What did you grow? Watercress. Plants, flowers, yeah, things. You still, still got a green thumb? Yes. Well, I've got a balcony. I haven't got a garden yet, but mm-hmm. I've got a balcony, and I've got 
four window boxes. You've got on. aspirations. Listen, I'm doing my, I'm doing Let's my best. Let's see that balcony in 12 months' time. Oh, you won't be able to. It'll be like looking into <laughs> the forest. new forest. Yeah, right. yeah quite. Yeah. And, and, um, and what, sort of, what else were you good at then? Were you, were you arty? Uh, a showing off. Right, which, you were a show off. I was a show off, yeah. Yeah, very much a show off. Voices, accents, things. Stuff you picked off your dad. Picked up from my father, quite. Garages, yeah. Um, and I, um, being funny, being silly, not academically gifted, fine. At primary school, secondary school, I found a lot harder. Primary school, sort of fine, I think, sort of middling. Just sort of middle of the road. Yeah. Um, no one was like, that kid's going places. Were you musical? No, I wish I was. I'd love to have been musical. I'm, re- I'm really, really jealous of people that can play instruments. I really, if I have a child, I, you've got a piano in your house. Yeah, I love I'll try the and idea. force it on my son, but I mean, he's too. Young. Can you play? Ish, not really, but I yes. can get a tune out of it. But I right. you know, because you know Tom Allen, friend of both of us. Yes, he's very good at the piano. Yes, he so is. it's very fun to be with him. And he, if you go in somewhere that has an old Joanna. Mm. He can knock out something, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, which are family parties, of course. Bit well, of roll out the barrel. Of, yeah, well, I sort of romanticise what a Christmas might be like if someone can play the piano. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love the idea of seeing carols. I do a very plodding little donkey. Yeah, but what about playing the piano? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. Union Jack. Union what? Playing. Relax. Playing. Playing. The best of British. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. So who, who was your best friend? Uh, Katie Burrows and Phoebe Hodgkins. Okay, ultimately, if they were both drowning, who would you save? <gasps> oh. Probably just myself. I'd swim away <laughs> rather than have to deal with the awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm still sort of friends with both of them now. I'm not close to either of them anymore, but we were sort of all in touch. Which is there was nice. a way in which you were very keen to tell me you're not close to them either, but like you wanted to distance yourself from Phoebe and Katie. They both drowned in a terrible accident, <laughs> so I don't want to tar myself with. <laughs> I wasn't there. I need the listener to know that I wasn't there. And what was what was your, what was your gang like? Um, what did you do? Do you, you've ever seen West Side Story? Sharks and the Jets? Very similar to that. A lot of clicking. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I think we were just playing. You had to just, yeah, just playing, playing things in the playground. There would always be someone's game. Right. People would come over and go, can we play? And you'd have to go, oh, it's Katie's game. You have to ask her. Would you play things off the t- just spat at you there. Um, would you play things off the TV so you know, like we would, would watch the A team and then play the A team? Yeah, I think so. We'd like pretend to be families of, from shows. Often, someone would pretend to be a dog. Was that I you, Susie? I don't know. I don't know. Really, I'm sure I was Rover at some point. Yeah. Which families would you play? I'm curious to know. Oh, I don't know. Just things off of. I don't know. Like we'd, we'd like all of it would make up a family. We'd be like, okay, I'll be mum. Okay, you be dad. You're, you've just got home from work. Right, oh, you're right. really angry. You're tired. <laughs> Be like, oh, this is quite telling. <laughs> is everything all right at home, Catherine? <laughs> and and what about like uh, where, where was your local cinema then? Oh, the yes, the I remember going time. to the pictures. I, I don't know which when I went for the first time, but I remember going to the pictures and loving it. I'm going to see like a Disney or something. Mm. Um, love, yeah, I really like going to the pictures. Um, I remember going to see Philip Schofield in a production of Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. In Portsmouth? It was at the Mayflower in Southampton, which is the big local theatre. Right, right. And um, apparently I um, stood on my chair and joined in and the usher had to come and be like, that's obviously not allowed. 
because I knew all the words. So, so. You, you learned theatre etiquette the hard way. Yeah, I learned the hard way. And now, do you know what? I won't take sweets in. <laughs> do you feel sympathetic towards hecklers and things, though, people who don't understand the, the rules? I think if you're a grown-up, you should probably like work right, it out yourself. Right. I think as a five-year-old being like, he looked handsome, he looked grand, <laughs> is probably fine. What was the transition like from little school to big school then? I, th- I think I quite liked little school, big school. It's massive. I remember thinking, this place is so big. What was it called? St Edmund's Catholic School. I hated it. Happily go how, on the record. How Catholic were you? Not at all. It was apparently a good school in the catchment and they had to take 15% CV. But you didn't have to start going to communion oh, yeah, or anything? Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Started doing all that lying that families do for a year when they're trying to get their kids into a good school. Yeah, I did some of that. I mean, it was a really bad school, retrospectively. A really bad place for a um, tiny lesbian to be. <laughs> was, it, was it a mixed school? Yeah, it was a mixed school, quite sort of old-fashioned teachers and, you know, the kind of people that would be like, you need to respect the teachers. And you'd be like, I don't feel like you're giving me any respect. And you're being really hot. Like, and I would answer back and I wasn't a very good pupil. So, Susie, were you a bad girl? Yeah, I was a bad girl. I was naughty. So would you would you get sort of detentions and suspensions? What sort of, of things for? Calling to I mean, can you swear on this? <laughs> yeah, we can bleep it or not. I don't know. Call, uh, calling the uh, a teacher starts with W ends in anchor. <laughs> what are they? I mean, what have they done to deserve it? Uh, he told me I'd never amount to anything. Look at you now. Do you know what I mean? I remember a teacher saying to me, Susie, you're not going to make a living out of just chatting to people. <laughs> How wrong you were. I bet these teachers are just enraged when they switch on Comedy Central and they see the Comedy Bus show. Well, listen, I hope they're And any number constantly. of other shows. Sure, sure. Sprung into my mind. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I didn't like school. I didn't fit in. I found it tough. Daily. Did your same friends from primary school, Katie no, and Phoebe? Right. They went to different schools. So so you just had to start start. Yeah, fresh. I went with a girl from my school who ended up not liking me and sort of bullied me quite a bit. And I think that I think I was bullied a bit. I think at the time it felt like it was all like felt like I was the only person in the world that it was happening to retrospectively I think all kids sort of go through a, a period of that where they feel like they don't have any friends and was it just this one girl who were picking on you yeah but she picked, she sort of like turned a group against me and I sort of I remember having I remember having to have lunch with the drama teacher for a bit and being that kid that had lunch with the teacher uh, which sounds very sad but listen I've got a lovely career now because of my sadness becoming funny <laughs> so please don't feel for me um, but I think that it's um, yeah I didn't I just I think that it was it was linked with me feeling like I wasn't good at school so I was had a sense of shame around everything in classes because I was like oh because I can understand things but my dyslexia is quite severe so I would right. have trouble writing things down and so I'd often make a fool of myself because I'd try and answer a question but I'd get it wrong because I'd slightly misunderstood. Was this the 90s? Uh, it was, yeah, the 90s and the early 2000s. So, so, so were they not sort of a bit more aware of dyslexia at that point? I then? wasn't bad enough that they would care. I wasn't naughty enough right. that I would be... I was naughty a bit. I, got, I think I got suspended once. I got detention quite a bit. Do you know but, what you got suspended for? Um, I think, bizarrely, bunking off. Which, I mean, was ideal. What would you do when you bunked off? I went to Tesco's for a breakfast. <laughs> Sat in the little canteen there? Yeah. Once, my mum and my nan walked in to have their breakfast there. Oh, no. And mum was like, oh, Sue's not again. <laughs> so that was your regular bunking off horn? Yeah. yeah, you'd think I'd branch out. Yes, yeah, maybe as an Asda's. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just hated it. I felt like 
I hated it when people would say to me, score the best days of your life, because I think, oh, I really hope not, because I feel gross and spotty and I'm gay and I'm really scared that everyone's going to find out and I really hope that this feeling goes away and I just hope that... And and I, I remember mum dropping me off and me just literally leaving immediately and, and retrospectively I think you know I'm really happy with the life I've got I really love being a comic um, but you know years you know 15 years later I now write articles for the Guardian sometimes and you know write on things or I'm asked to go in and punch up a sitcom script and I'll do stand up on TV and I think if there was there was one teacher that had time for me at school Mr Griffiths shout out Mr Griffiths um, but other than that I feel like had I gone to a school where they had really cared, I would have had a much better time where people would have gone, oh, you're not stupid because you're dyslexic. That's fine. Don't worry about it. But instead, I just felt... So do you feel angry at them? I, there's one teacher I feel really angry with because was a, I was naturally quite good at French. I could pick it up quite easily. And I said to the teacher, I might do a French A-level. And she said, oh, your, your written work's awful. You'll never, you'll never make it through. There's no point in doing it. And so awful. And now I think I could probably speak French now. Yeah. Had a teacher said to me, Oh, why don't you do there's a vocational course, why don't we find one at a college that you could do? In Aspide la Zouche, maybe. In Aspide la Zouche. Yes, exactly. Or maybe there's this class that you'd find easier. Why don't you do a B tech in this language course? Or why don't you go to maybe you won't do an A level, but go to go and see if you can sit in the French classes so you can keep your French up. Because there was a period where I was very good at it. And I got like an A star in my spoken bit in my GCSEs, but then my written bit was so bad that it brought me down to a B. <laughs> so, but yeah, and so things like that, I feel, I feel like I was sort of let down by, and I'm sure that teachers were being paid badly in a rough school or a school. I, I don't know how rough it was, but in a school where there were fights in the playground yeah. and they had bigger fish to fry and there were kids that were coming in that probably had horrible home lives and came in, came to school without having a wash. And those but, you, but you were let down by it. You're I was let down, let by, down by it, absolutely. But I think that there, there, were, there were probably children that had it Have worse. they ever asked you back to go and open the new canteen? No way, and they never would. Right. They never would because, because I'm sort of outwardly gay and I don't care. And I'm so Even now... Oh. I mean, I know you're still gay. <laughs> you've been I mean, in the like, room with me for 45 minutes. You're I mean, not a little bit on the turn. Even, even would, 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 that attitude would still pervade in a, in a Catholic school in 2019, you oh, think? Oh, I think so, yeah. Oh. Did you not see the tweets from the bishop over the weekend? I, d- I don't follow him. Well, there was a bishop in America, but right. still uh, a member of the Catholic Church, pleading with people not to... Uh, go to anything to do with pride marches because it is against the word of God. I do think some churches are getting better, though, aren't they? Yeah. You know. Yeah, I do think some churches are getting better. Something I'm interested in asking you... Please do. ...is what would you do with crushes as a teenager? If you're feeling this shame about being gay, and yet you're full of hormones... Yeah. Like, where, where does that go? Well, I would have... I would go on dates and things with boys, because that's that was the thing to do, and it was, you know, fun enough. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, sort of repulsed by men, but I just was not attracted to them so I'd go on like little dates with guys to the pictures and things and do things like that and then I would create like obsessions with girls who were like quite often older a couple of them were my friend Sophie's friends who we went to dance like this dance club with Um, and I would watch them and just think they were fabulous and want to be their friends and I'd be really excited when they spoke to me and they only re- the only reason they really spoke to me was because they were friends with my cousin and they were being nice to oh. their mate's little cousin and I was sort of transfixed by them and I'd go and watch them doing doing their dancing and their singing and just think so Was it always unrequited? 
Oh, yes. Ve- oh, it's hard. Very much so. Very much I mean, so. all my teenage crushes were unrequited, but there wasn't that dimension of sexuality which yeah. made it even more no, heartbreaking. No, they were... They were um, yeah, felt like... Uh, yeah, I felt, I felt like I might be the only person that felt like that. Turns out there's loads of us, don't worry. <laughs> if anything, we're taking over the world. Who would you have posters of on your wall? Um, Sporty Spice. Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio. Alanis Morissette. And Pink. Wow, so you mean you were you were straight there with those? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, my mum was surprised, but it's fair to say the signs were there. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? Did you, did you find an outlet outside of school? Then did you become drama? To, right, so you so did. I did. So I had tap lessons twice a week. I went to a, I went to classical singing lessons. Where where were the where, where were these lessons happening? So I went to a place called Perbrook Academy to go to tap, which was really fun, and we'd do modern and stuff there as well. And I wasn't great at it, but I was the funny one, so I wasn't brilliant at tap. And I was often in a, in classes with people that were quite a bit younger than me, so I'd feel a bit silly, but I'd be really funny. And could you give good face? I could give good face because this yeah. is something I've learned from occasionally dipping in and out of Strictly Come Dancing. Like a lot of dancing, it seems to me, is about what you're doing with your face. Oh, and Jeff, I don't mind telling you. I've got the face. You do have the I've face. Got, I've got the face for da- I can give you that dancing face. Um, so uh, that, I also want the listener to know that that's not me saying that I think I'm really attractive. That's me going, I know how to show off <laughs> at a professional level. <laughs> um, but um, I would do that. I went to classical singing lessons. Did you have a nemesis in dancing? Just to turn no. that for a second. There wasn't one girl who you were no. always trying, you're always competing against no, the trophy. No, because I was never re- I was never really good enough to be in that. I was just right. happy to be part of it. So I'd be like in the back row doing something. Like now, as a comedian that can tap dance, I'm a pretty good tapper. As a tap dancer that does comedy, I'm awful as a tap dancer. Right. So if people have never seen tap before or don't know how to do tap, they're like, oh, you're really good. But... If you've done tap, you'd be like, you're quite bad. (laughs) You're quite mediocre. (laughs) And what were the other things you were doing then? Singing? I was doing classical singing lessons once a week, which I loved with this older lady who I still go and visit occasionally now for a cup of tea. Um, And she would take me for singing lessons. And I'd go there once a week and I'd do uh, folk singing and um, sort of little classical numbers, occasionally sing Italian and... um, which was lovely. And then I would go to drama club, which was where I was so happy. I went to a place called the Portsmouth Players. It was a junior company. I went from when I was 11 until I was 18. I went, you could go once a week on a Thursday. I would wake up on Thursday morning, so excited, like couldn't wait for school to finish the whole time I was at school. I'd be checking my watch. I'd get home, put on my Portsmouth Players t-shirt, get to rehearsals and we'd do... One musical every year, and then we'd do like a Christmas show. And then, as we were getting closer and closer to musical week, which would be the first week of the summer holidays, uh, you'd go on a Sunday as well. And then it would be so exciting because it would be like, oh my God, I get to go twice a week. You wish you could go every day. Yeah. And I had friends there, and I was like part of the gang, and we'd all learn the numbers, and then we'd go outside and practice them, and then you'd have a break and you'd get squash and biscuits. And what were some of your big roles? Uh, I mean, I I always had like the quirky, funny part. Of course, yeah. So I was like, I was a girl called Phyllis in Mr. Cinders, who was like quite a, like a biggish part. I had my own song and I had a massive lisp, and which because speech impediments are funny. Yeah, that's the yes. thing. And you know what? If anything, that's what I want to go on the record saying. <laughs> and <laughs> and, um, and and I'd yeah I'd just yeah I what else was I? I was like one of the kids in Annie Get Your Gun, and I was a sister in me and my girl that had some funny bits to do and some singing 
And, and so it was just all, it was just all sort of joyous and fun. And I felt like I'd found a group of people that, and like obviously there were some gay guys there who weren't yet out, but the writing was on the wall in quite camp handwriting. Um, and it, all of a sudden I was like, oh, there's people that like showing off and like doing things like this. And they're maybe not the cleverest person in their year as well. And then as soon as I met those guys and did that a lot I didn't really care that I wasn't popular at school because I was like you losers you've just got to find your tribe yeah exactly Susie this is a lovely story oh good <laughs> you know it got quite bleak for a while there sure but that's but, me but then when we found the Portsmouth players we came back are you still a, a, a member no they they stopped doing the children's picks they couldn't get funded which I think is really really sad so they don't have a youth group anymore oh no I know well they, there's an ambition you know some people think about like buying the mum a house I want to get restart the Portsmouth the players. players youth youth work. yeah yeah it's um it's a funny thing I, I never was part of the adult society uh, but the the children's one was great I think that any I think that like drama clubs are like are just or, or any kind of club like playing football or doing I think it's so important for kids doing something like that and it for me it was it was like my it was it sort of if I say it saved me it sounds very very tragic and awful but it injected this joy into my life and gave me a love of musical theatre which I still have now yeah I think you've 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 spoken with enough self-awareness to be able to say that it saved you and nobody to be rolling their eyes at you here well I bet some of you are I bet they're not Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack Radio where would you go underage drinking, if at all, or would you be uh, occupied with the Portsmouth players? Well, it would be with the Portsmouth players gang. Right. So it would be like someone would have a sleepover. Right, right, right. And like, be like, I'll bring some WKDs. <laughs> my mum lets me, my mum would, would get us four between eight of us. <laughs> Did you ever have a Saturday job? Yes, Dinky Donuts. Dinky Donuts? Yeah. And doing the groom thing with my dad. Oh, right, yeah, people's, yeah. For people's weddings. So what was your role at Dinky Donuts? Were you, you on the Deep Fat Fryer? Yeah. And let me tell you, the acne was pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, that acne, face and back. You're welcome, world. Uh, What age was this then? When I was about 15, 16. Right, right, right. In the centre of Portsmouth Town. (laughs) I had to wear a blue T-shirt that had a bird on it that was saying Dinky Donuts, I think. And uh, I would come home and I would be so greasy that my mum would make me strip at the door and go, no one cares, just run up the stairs, the shower's running. (laughs) <laughs> it wouldn't have been a shower actually it would have been a bath we didn't have a shower for a long time in my family it was very much a bath house did you ever do it with the not donuts house. yourself like when you work, first work in the donut place sure. obviously you're eating a lot of donuts how yeah. quickly does that wear off quite quickly about as quickly as the weight wore on <laughs> right right <laughs> but yeah I was, I, was, I was a dinky donut girl for about 18 months again with my cousin Sophie who took me to dancing yeah. um, she worked there she was very cool we used to listen to the chart show um, I remember very clearly. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Oh yeah, always yeah. being on in that van, donut van, and we'd go to a place called Ford Market, which is like a weekend market where you could get like you know knocked off trainers, probably some drugs, but I wouldn't know where to get that sort of thing, and like a bacon bap, and um, and maybe like a toaster that would give you an electric shock. That kind of place. We'd go there on a weekend for a Sunday, and you'd have to we'd have to be there for seven. So the, you'd have to we'd have to all be it the guy who owns it house at like quarter past six. I remember going hungover once. It was joyous because I remember being like, I'm hungover. Look at me, going to work on a hangover. What am I like? Could you still whip, whip up a good donut if you had to? Well, basically that you just, they, they buy it. Um, what? Like ready made or like this weird gloopy stuff and you put it in a fryer. 
I mean, it's it's all disgusting. You've just ruined my image of a. a, a I mean, donut I don't think they the do that at Krispy Kreme. You know, I think there they sort of make them. Right. Other donut places are available, but at Dinkies, it was very much like a vat of gunk. <laughs> a vat of gunk. Yeah. It sounds so appealing. So when when did you leave Portsmouth then? When what, I was eighteen. And what was your feeling like about leaving? I was going to drama school, Jeff. So you you had stars in your eyes. It was. The best day ever. Where was your drama school? I went to Aura, which is the Academy of Live and Recorded Arts, and I loved it. I loved it. I think drama schools, it's not one of like the big, really famous ones, but I got, but it was great. I got to go at 18, which like a lot of places like Raja and stuff won't have you until your sort of early 20s because they like people to be a little bit older. And um, I... I loved it. And did you feel like a rube coming from Portsmouth? So, I don't the, know what you mean by rube. Like a, a country bumpkin. No, no, because I feel like Portsmouth is very much a city. Right. Although people do think that we have, not that I really have the accent anymore, but people do think it's sort of a bit of a farmy accent. Did you have the accent? I don't know. I think because of stuff like the singing lessons and the drama, I ended up having sort of kind of a neutral accent, which is what I've got now, which is a couple of sort of... Which is ironic given all the accents your dad was making you do in that Exactly, yeah, it's amazing yes. that I don't have some weird... Hybrid. Yeah, hybrid yeah. accent. But um, I think now I just sort of have a Londonish accent. Yeah, yeah. So so, so leave it, so it didn't feel like coming from a small town to the big city. No, but it, it felt very exciting to move to London because I... So the... The drama thing was happening, going to Portsmouth Players, which I loved. Then people told me about drama school. They says this place you can go where you do drama every single day and you and at the end of it, you get... You're like, a star. Well, you get an equity card, which right. means you're a professional actor, which yeah. means you can you can get auditions. And so I was like, this is, a, this is great. So from when I was about 15, I would go... Um, I would get prospectuses from Aura, Rada, Mountview, at Lambda, the Guildford School of Speech and Drama... Um, the Gift School Acting, the London School of Speech Drama, all these different places. Um, and like, I just read the prospectuses and care about what, oh, they did the Cherry Orchard this year. That's interesting. And and I just became obsessed with going. And then I auditioned and got in. And I, and it's quite young to go at 18. A lot of people said to me, oh, you won't go at 18. Like, they, they like people a bit older. And I was just lucky that I got to go at 18. And... I was really upset to leave my mum. I was really scared to move into a flat with strangers um, who were lovely strangers who are still sort of friends today. Um, but I was really upset to leave my mum, but it felt like the beginning of something so exciting. And it kind of was. It was the beginning, like a, about a year or so later I came out and I, and it, yeah, it was just this amazing thing. I remember being with my friend Matt, who was from um, Chesterfield a very you know he's a proper chessy baby and uh he uh we were we went out for a night out drinking in london we all lived in tooting we'd rarely go into town but we went out for a night of drinking probably at like some awful place that did cheap booze and we got the we got a night bus home and we went and the night bus went past Piccadilly circus and then um over i don't know i guess it must be waterloo bridge must have gone down the strand and then over waterloo bridge and I remember me and Matt holding each other's hands. We were 18, we'd just moved, and he was like, we live in London and we're at drama school. And it was just amazing. I loved it. And I still sort of feel like that. I still feel a bit like that about London. I still feel, It still feels like this place where exciting things happen. Now this is you for life. You don't see yourself on a, at a bungalow on a cliff in Portsmouth ever? I don't think a bungalow on a cliff. I feel, feel like maybe at Brighton sometimes. That's because that's where, where all the lesbians wash up. <laughs> but... Um, 
I, I'm slightly out of, you know, I've just sort of, I've just moved to, I mean, southeast London, which is still very much in London, but sort of, uh, I'm on a train line rather than a tube line, which felt a step out away from London, but still close enough to get in in 20 minutes. But um, I still, it still gives me that excitement. And I'm not, you know, people listening, I don't want to be like, I'm saying London's better than anywhere else. I, I don't think it has to be London. I think a lot of people have it with Manchester or Brighton or Edinburgh, but just a place that is away from home that makes you think, oh my God, this is, I've decided that this is where I live. I, no one has decided for me that I live here. This I'm is not my choice. So here. Yeah. yeah, this is, I live here now and I'm, and then and, and I'm going to become a sort of a different person. I guess people get it when they go to uni because I didn't have that. I didn't ever went to university, just did drama school. I guess that's, it's, drama school in London is all tied in in that thing for me together. And also me realising that there were other gay people because it was the first time I went to a gay bar and that I was like, oh, this is the place where I can be, I can decide who I want to be here. And I'm not necessarily, not that I didn't want to be working class, but I can I can evolve into this sort of person that I'm going to become, which ended up being, you know, a stand-up, which I think retrospectively was the thing that I always wanted to do, even though I went via drama school, but because I always wanted to be funny. I'm telling you, if those West End producers came knocking, though, <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd do it, wouldn't you? Oh, in a, a New a York heartbeat. minute. Yeah, um, in New York minute, I'd love to do something in the West End. If I could, if I could transport you back. Sure. You're invisible. I'm closing my eyes. You're invisible. You're invisible. Okay. To, to any, any of the places you've talked about, you just get to be there for five minutes and wander around as they were then, can it, watching Little Susie. Can it not be a place I've mentioned? Can it be a different place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so my nan, who I lost a couple of years ago, I didn't lose her, she died. And um, she had this little flat in Portsmouth in a block called Ladywood House. And it was uh, on the eighth floor. So she had quite a good view over the city and out over her. She had like a sea view, even though it was quite far away for the sea, but you could see like the big cruise ships going by her window sometimes. And it was always hotter than the sun and um, always smell of like sultanas because she'd always make um, like a bread pudding, you know. And um, it was like... My, I went there a lot after school because it was right by my school and it was just a, I would love to see me there with my nan. It was like just a place that was just like full of love and she really, really believed in me and she'd talked to me about me going off to London and being an actress and it, the place where everything felt possible. Well, let's, let's, let's leave you there then. Let's leave That's you in very nan's nice. flat. It's a, nice it's a lovely place. place. And you've really, I mean, I, I came into this thinking that I would be witnessing, maybe even brawling with a sailor, but it's so much more. It's, it's all dinky. It's, not, it's now about dinky donuts. In and my you're kissing mind. a sailor. Yes. <laughs> uh, Susie, thank you. My pleasure. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack Radio. And that's it. A lovely stroll down memory lane with Susie Ruffle. Next week, we'll be chatting to comedian and star of Friday Night Dinner and Plebs, Tom Rosenthal. And if you haven't yet, make sure you twiddle your radio dial to Union Jack Radio and enjoy the best British music and comedy all in one place. And uh, that's that. Speak soon. Union Jack. Union what? Playing. Take me out. Union Jack. <laughs> Playing. Of the heart. You stupid boy. Playing the best of British. Union Jack.